Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the You Know I Got So In Stereo podcast. Now, normally I would do my little introduction, but we've been gone for quite some time, so I'm sure you guys need to get familiarized with us again. So, to my left, I have Tom, who doesn't really eat anything anymore, which is why we say, <laughs> which is why we say this is the dude that doesn't eat beef. And then to my right, we have Ed, and you know his favorite artist. You know that's all he listens to, so that's why we say this is the dude that only listens to Drake. So, and this is the you know <laughs> I got. Some- <laughs> you need to correct that player. Please don't be out here spreading lies and disparaging my good name. <laughs> So anyway, um, just kidding. This is going to be a long podcast. I can see this. His favorite artist is, of course, Keith Sweat. Yes. So we got the beef, we got the Keith, and we got me, the HOST. And guys, it's been so long since we did a podcast. What's going on, guys? Uh, Just out here trying to support R&B the best we can. No question. We're out here, even though it felt just like yesterday, it's all good. We're just trying to keep R&B going. Yep. So, funny story for you guys. I was on YouTube checking out the comments for some of the podcasts we've done. There was a gentleman, I forget his name, i got to give him a quick shout-out later on, but he was really asking us to do another podcast. He had been waiting for one, so... Um, wish I got your name, but this is the podcast that you've been waiting for, and it's actually really funny that people are actually waiting on something from us, because if you've listened to one of these podcasts, you know we just talk nonsense all the time. <laughs> so people appreciate extremely... the nonsense. I mean, they, I mean, it's, it's R&B fans talking about R&B, and then sometimes we talk about food and how Tom eats grass, and that's it. But people enjoy it. Hold on, let me finish my wheatgrass chat over here. Oh my gosh! You got some scraps of paper to chase that down with. <laughs> Shout out to Mrs. Superwife, who has been our. She's another one who's been asking for another of these podcasts. So yep. she supported. She's listened to every single one, and we love it. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to so, my girl. Love Miss Superwife. Yeah. So before we get started, um, I want to take this moment for everyone to uh, fill up their cup with a glass of water. We're going to take a sip of water right now um, to commemorate Ashanti's new campaign. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys have heard it yet, but basically she put out a single that's not all the way complete, and apparently what you're supposed to do is drink water and hashtag drink up Ashanti, and if she gets enough hashtags, she'll start releasing the entire song in its completion. And um, it's a pretty cool campaign, actually. So I want to take this moment, everyone, get, get your glass of water. We're going to drink. This that include, uh, does this include shots of Hennessy or no? No, it's just water, guys. We're trying to – yeah, Sean, she oh. partnered up with uh, – who did she partner up with? Michelle Obama, I think, for this. Well, this real yeah, um, if you drink <laughs> enough water and don't pee on yourself, you can get this new Ashanti song. So go yeah. ahead and do your thing, y'all. I don't, know, I, I don't know, though, about this, because oh, basically she's asking you to, not only are you mentioning drink up water, but you're also mentioning Ashanti in every post. So basically you've got to keep mentioning Ashanti, which is giving her name a ton of shine until, and, you know, in the, in the process. So is anyone really drinking water is the question. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, like you all I know, all I know is, um, you know, of course we run the, uh, you know, I got soul Twitter account, but I have my personal Twitter account, and I'm probably not going to give it out on this podcast, but I think I've drank like one cup of water so far, but I've hashtagged like 50 times, so that lets you know wow. that this uh, this thing doesn't actually work. <laughs> well, I actually drink eight cups of water a day, with, with or without the campaign, just so you know, it's healthy. Uh huh. I'm the re- I'm the local uh, resident health guru of the podcast, so I'm just saying. No, he's actually the resident weirdo of the podcast because I've never <laughs> seen someone before this podcast. I'm putting your business in the streets. We're like, all right, we're gonna go. We live in five. What's going on? Hold on, Tom's got to eat his cheese. Then we're gonna come back. <laughs> I'm like, what? Two pieces. Right, let's let's <laughs> All right, let's focus it. 
seems like both of you guys have had, have had too much Halloween candy, so we're going to have to focus a little. <laughs> Actually, I did have a, um, those little bo- those little boxes of nerds, those little mini boxes. Yes, I have been tearing those up, so you are correct. Are you, are you still trick-or-treating it? I thought they cut that out when you turned, like, 15. They don't know when you got the mask on, player. You just put the mask on, you hold out your orange bucket, and they throw it in there. So don't hate on my candy hustle. <laughs> so uh, let's talk on Ruby now. Uh, Monica set to release her new album, Cold Red, on December 18th. Uh, you guys, thoughts on it? Because you know what? I mean, I've talked about it so many times just in our chats outside of the podcast, just on our text messages. I've been talking about that new single that she has out with Lil Wayne. That beat is amazing. Boy, yes. Your boy Polo the Don did it with that one. I'm really looking forward to the album because, I don't know, I feel like just from from what she's been putting out there on Twitter, not only just the single, but she really understands, sort of like Tyrese did earlier this year, that R&B is really in, is ready for a shakeup and is ready for a return to a familiar sound and not so much the sound that's dominating the popular radio formats right now. So I really feel like she's going to lead that. So I'm ready, willing, and able to get this going and support it. So I think she's going to come with some heat. What's interesting is, Kyle, you put out that great article about why R&B needs the album, and then we had some inter- we had a ton of interaction. But one, one uh, fan in, in particular on Twitter was talking about how he's nervous about if she can deliver with this album, just because her past albums weren't what they, what was expected. So it's an interesting time for Monica. I mean, she certainly has the, the ability to deliver. I think she will. I think it'll be a quality project. But it's, yeah, that, I just thought that was interesting because it shows you, just from a fan's point of view, how how they're looking at it, that they don't know if it's definitely going to be what ex, what's expected. So when you wrote that article, Kyle, how were you approaching it? Well, you know what? Monica is an artist, and Ed, I want to hear if you agree or disagree with me on this one, but since the After the Storm album, it seems like every album afterwards, it's sort of been similar or almost the same in terms of production quality, in terms of just the direction that she's been been going in. Um, some albums have been better than other, others. Like, I, I think her Still Standing album is one of the better ones, and the one that she put out after that, New Life, I wasn't a big fan of that, but... I don't know, with an artist like Monica, I don't know what direction she's going to go in because if she goes in the same direction, you're probably going to get the same results. But if she switches it up too much, I don't know. Are people going to get it? I don't know. I don't know if I agree that all of her albums have had kind of the same sound because what was the one, I call it the bondage album, Makings of Me, the one where she's sitting on it, she's toppling, she got like the ropes all on her. I'm like, player, what's going down? Um, that one was extremely, if I'm remembering it right, that one was very hip hop influenced because that was the one with the, the snap music on it. And then still standing was a little bit of a better mix. I wasn't a big fan of new life. New life was more traditional R and B. So she's tried some different things, but Monica is one of those artists that has like a fantastic voice. Nobody will ever, ever credit, you know, discredit her vocal ability. Because on Miss Thing, she's like a teenager singing like a grown woman, and we forget that. But the albums very rarely match up to the magnitude of the voice. So I'm really hoping that this is the one where she has the right direction, she's got the motivation, and she certainly is a veteran at this point. They could put all of this together. So it's really the one that I'm really looking forward to, and I think this could be it. Yeah, I mean, not even just the voice for me. I think her personality hasn't really matched up to the music, or the music hasn't matched up to her personality because, I mean, she's one of those artists who's have who has that balance between, you know, the street and also the the soul. And I don't know in the music, it, you don't really get that all the time. Sometimes, like on the last album, New Life, it was just straight R and B, and I think we yeah. were missing an element of Monica that you know we really like about her. So. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. And the reason why I brought up that the album sort of sounds similar, I think it has to, go, it has to be because of the fact that all, she works with the same producers every time around, Missy, Beacock, J.D., who we all love, um, and, of course, Paula Lundon as well. But do you think she needs different producers by her side this time around? 
Well, can I just make a point first before that? I think what we oftentimes forget, because Monica is a star. I mean, she's from, since the 90s, she's been one of the premier R&B artists, and she's kind of not gotten the, the, the credit of some of the other artists, like, who she's come out with since. But we often forget that Monica actually took the time to have a family, kids, got married. How many artists can you name that actually got married and have a public relationship and have, you know, female artists, you know, they're the ones bearing the children if they decide to have kids. Men don't have to do that. We often forget that, you know, that's part of life. And that, I feel like I set her back a bit. You know, she took time from her career to, to actually have a family and raise kids. And in the music industry, that's kind of rare. A lot of artists don't even do that type of thing or, or do it publicly. So I feel like it's a, it's a kind of interesting and unique situation. I mean, like, to me, it's in the same type of situation. You know, she she was off the scene. She disappeared in between albums to, to be a wife and they'll have a family. But, like, when you look at one of Monica's contemporaries, like Brandy, she never had kids. Well, she did have one kid, but she, you know, kept on with her career. She didn't make you know, marriage and her family, the main focus. She went into acting. She went to all these ventures. So it's interesting, the give and take there. And maybe it's kept Monica from being as big of a star as she could have been, even though she is a huge star. That's a great point. That's a great point. I I don't know if she – I think she is, you know, she's a huge star, and I think she's one of those artists that we've talked about on other podcasts that is – not really underrated, but underappreciated. Because when you mention the name Monica, you can rattle off all of her hits. But for some reason, when when the fans sit down and have these best of and greatest of and best of the generation and blah, 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 her name rarely comes up, even though her catalog certainly thinks, you know, that defines who she is and, and her ability and her God-given talents. So I think that Everything is there, and sometimes I think we just don't give her the credit that she's deserved. Yeah, but shout-outs to Monica. Really looking forward to this upcoming album. I even made it a point to say that, you know, with her name and her brand, it can really help move R&B in the right direction. Um, But we'll have to see. I mean, hopefully everyone goes out and supports it. Um, Let me ask you a question, though. Let me ask you another question. Uh, she's going on her Code Red Experience tour, and she chose yep. Rico Love to open for her, which I thought was an interesting choice. And now, let me just say, we like Rico Love. We support him, love his work. Well, I just thought it was an interesting choice. How do you guys look at that? I don't know. It seems like a perfect fit. If you go back to think about, again, her history, go think of the, that um, the album that I mentioned earlier, The Makings of Me. She's always had a very hip-hop based, I mean, she has a hip-hop fan base. She's always been very into the genre. It's bled over into her music. So I think it makes sense that she would kind of team up with him because he's definitely in that mold. Yep. Plus, I think Rico, um, well, he worked on a lot of Monica's last album. They're probably going to work together again with Code Red. So, you know, nothing like bringing your friend on tour with you, especially someone like Rico who's talented enough and he has enough hits to, you know, get in front of that stage as well. In addition to the article that I wrote on Monica, Tom, I know you wrote an article on Tank because he's putting out the sequel to Sex, Love, and Pain, which is an album that I think we all really like. So, um, Ed, I'll go with you then. You know, what does Tank have to do this time around to recapture the magic that he had with Sex, Love, and Pain? It's funny. Tank is, again, another artist that has all the tools, but for some reason the albums just don't, it just doesn't line up for him as well as it should. His last album, Stronger, I was not a gigantic fan of, and it's not that he, again, he had all the tools in place, he had the voice, he had songs, but it just didn't work as a package for some reason. Something was missing, and I would hope with this next album that he just takes some time to study himself, study the direction he wants from the album, not so much, you know, okay, i got to have this fast song, I've got to have this song with this specific sound because that's what's hot. I just want him to kind of get in his bubble, do what he does best, and kind of produce something that's organic that not only reaches out to what's current, in the mainstream, but still holds firm to R&B's roots. I think that's why his boy Tyrese's album, Black Rose, is so strong, because 
is not only traditional R&B, but it also takes a few times to kind of tip its hat at what's going on in today's music. And he can easily put out that kind of album, but I just think it needs to be, he needs to just get together, sit down, and get a little bit stronger bass to pull it off this time. I think what's interesting about Tank is he's he's probably one of the most talented artists in R&B currently that we have out there. Not only is he a, a great vocalist, but he's also a great musician and writer. So I definitely believe he has the the ability to do it. And the basis of my article is really about for him to look back at, at what made that Sex, Love, and Pain successful and get back to doing those things. But it's got me thinking, like, had had there not been a Please Don't Go, would we have ever even looked at Sex, Love, and Pain or even Tank's career the same? Would he have gotten to where he is now? Because Please Don't Go, you know, it was a really strong single. It was the number one single that kind of blew that project up. And he hasn't really had, he hasn't really been able to lead with a single like that. any of his albums following not have been nearly as successful. So I'm just, now it just got me thinking. Had there not been a Please Don't Go, had Monty Vareal not helped him write it, I wonder where Tank would be. It would be a shame because Tank is so talented, you know. But I really would like to see Tank get back to where he was. Kyle, I want to hear your opinion on on that point I just made, though. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I think you brought on a good point. Please Don't Go was a massive single, you know, the biggest of Tank's career. Um, it, it's hard for me to... I don't know, and Ed, I, I kind of want your input, input on this, but I think it's unfair to expect an artist to go back to a sound that they had, you know, 10 years ago because they experienced different things before. If you remember the uh, Sex, Love, and Pain album, Tank was, you know, he was going through some things, all those songs on there, really, really sad songs. And, you know, obviously with Sex, Pain, and Love 2, we're expecting the same thing the same sound, the same content. I don't know if he can get, if he can deliver it like that. I mean, hopefully he does. And to Tank's credit, I think he has tried to um, try different things. Like, um, what was the album after Sex, Love, and Pain? Now or Never. Now or Never, like, that That was a little happier. That had, that had a Drake collaboration on it. The one after that, This Is How I Feel, that was, that was a very different album. And then, of course, Stronger, which, Ed, you brought up, that was that was like Justin Timberlake, Marvin Gaye influence. That was a lot happier. It was a, little, a lot more up-tempo and a lot more retro throwback. So, um, I mean, I'm happy that Tank's going back to the sound that made him popular. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he does need another Please Don't Go to get that that attention that he, uh, he needs and deserves. Well, I think when you say, you know, do need another Please Don't Go, we don't mean... We want Please Don't Go Part 2, but we want something that recaptures that sort of magic. Because I always, and I've talked about this a billion times, I never want an artist to feel like they have to turn back the clock to 1994 to recapture a certain sound. But if they can recapture the magic of the creativity that went into it, I think that would work. So whereas I don't really want another Please Don't Go, I would want something on that level that connects with the audience. I guess my point was just that in, in this day and age of of major labels, it's like so many artists put radio as their biggest promotional tool. you got to get that top single at radio to promote the album. And I feel like that was successful for Tank with Please Don't Go because Sex, Love, and Pain was on black rounds, and they weren't the best label around, but it, you know the album still turned out to be successful. This is yeah. going to be his fifth album, I think, on Atlantic. So I, I just think that, I mean, in this day and age of album sales being so low and I don't know what the expectations are going to be for this album, but if he leaves with that strong single that really captures his, his audience, I feel like he, he'll be successful once again. Well, here's an interesting question for you guys. Um, the TGT album that came out sold, I forget how much, I think it sold about 70000 when you look at the numbers that Tank has done, you know, solo outside of TGT, is there a reason why the TGT album has sold so much more? Is that Tyrese's presence? Is that due to people maybe not interested in Tank's solo stuff? Like, why do you think there's such a huge disconnect there? Uh, I, you also have to keep in mind the anticipation for that album, too. There was a lot of hype yeah. behind that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think Ed hit it on the head. I think that was it. I mean, just that power altogether, the curiosity. I mean, I can't even say the singles they released were like such amazing songs. I mean, and no offense, it was a good album, but I can't say I was blown away with, with Sex Ain't Never Felt Better. I mean, what you guys said, like a timeless classic? I, I don't know about that, but... Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> so, so, I mean, in my opinion, it was more so just the intrigue. And then once it came out, there was a ton of buzz about it. Just yeah, I mean, That album was touted as like bringing real R&B back before, before Tyrese went on his whole rant this year about bringing real R&B back. So there was so much buzz from R&B fans about that album being the best they'd heard in a while. So I feel like that the word of mouth factor added to it. Fair enough. Now, one one album that I think has, you know, I hope it gets noticed because it was a solid project. Ed, I know you reviewed it. It's John Michael's latest project. Um, talk about that project a little bit. Yeah, shout out to to our board, John Michael. Um, and I love this story because Tom, I got to give my boy credit when it's due. He eats some weird stuff, but the man knows his R&B. So a couple of years ago, he was like, Ed, I got you got to hear this dude, John Michael. Like, you would really like him. You He... He's really, he's young, but he really gets it, and he understands where R&B is going, and he understands the history of it. So, you know, I give everything a one shot, and I was blown away by his first album. And since then, he has released a couple mixtapes, and he dropped his second album um, not very long ago. So I was happy to review that for him. And, again, it follows that same mode of a young artist who is not afraid to do some songs that are very current-sounding, yet, he still also makes plenty of time to embrace the true roots of R&B, and that's what makes a strong album. It's not a guy with a great voice just using auto-tune and trying to get on top 40, but it's a guy who's listening to what's hot right now and incorporating R&B's elements in it, and that's what makes a strong album. And that's why that um, Like a Drug album is so solid to me. Shout out to John Michael. He'll be joining us on a future uh, podcast. He's been a friend of mine for a few years now. Um, we became friends after I heard the music. In fact, it, I didn't just try to, you know, support him because I was friends with him before, just to make that clear. But, yeah, I mean, I like what he's doing. You know, he makes good R&B music. He doesn't try to, to force anything. He just He's just himself and uh, really got, you know, respect for what he does. And definitely want everyone to go check out his new album, Like a Drug. We just feature all the songs from it on the site. So, uh, called Inevitable, you could check that out too. So he's definitely, if you're, if you're out there thinking there's no new artists coming out in R&B that are any good, he's one you want to keep on your radar. Yep, shout out to John Michael. Now, Ed, I know you're going to be putting out an article. Actually, by the time we put up this podcast, I think the article is going to be out. But uh, you're putting together an article with the 10 underrated R&B albums, I believe, of this year? Well, something like that. I, what I do is a lot of people, because... You know your boy, I'm always grinding. So usually if there's a big R&B release, I've got a review, whether on soulandstereo.com or over on you know I got soul.com. There's a review of your boy Ed going in on the latest music. But because y'all don't pay me enough because a brother got to pay the bills, I just got a house, got to pay this mortgage, dog. Sometimes I just can't keep up with all these releases when they're dropping. So what I did was I went back, and everything that I missed throughout the, these past 12 months I was like, let's get the, a little bit of shine. And even though I didn't review the album fully, these are some albums that, if you're an R&B fan, should definitely be on your radar. And I had Tyrese's Black Rose album. That's one of the biggest releases of the year. Definitely probably going to be in my top five of the year. That one got some love. Um, Kenny Lattimore's album. I remember, I think I was on spring break. It dropped sometime, I think, in the spring, and I was out of town. And I missed that. And Tom was like, hey, have you heard that Kenny Lattimore? And I'm like, play, I got my feet kicked up. I'll check that out when I get back in time. But I finally got around to listening to that. And it was a very, very strong album. I'm sorry that I waited so long to get on that. I just heard it a few weeks ago. But that was a very strong album. Um, also, the Internet, huge fan. Shout out to your boy, Barry Bars. If he was on his podcast, he'd be losing his mind about the Internet. But I did check out their album, and their album was pretty strong, too. So those are just some of the few that I didn't get a chance to show enough love to, but definitely, definitely worth your time. Oh, and Layla Hathaway's live album, definitely another one that needs to be on your radar. You just also did a review on Angie Stone's new album for, you know, I got sold. You want to talk about that one? 
Yeah, and that one took me by surprise too. And you know, shout out to Angie. I love Angie's Mahogany Soul album. But just honestly, besides the Mahogany Soul album, the rest of them, you know, they're all right. You know, they're they're always solid, but nothing that oh, it's just mind blowing. But her newest album, Dream, I was really shocked. It's very tight, just ten tracks, but it's very very solid R and B. And she has that soulful motherly voice where it's kind of like not really preachy but kind of like the cool aunt that'll go with you to the club, but she's like, all right, I got to leave early because I got, um, we got to go to church in the morning. She's that aunt. And the songs that she creates really connect. So I was really pleased with that release. So check that one out too, especially if you're an Angie Stone fan. I think you'll be very pleased. Nice. Motherly. I love it. Yep. <laughs> so want to get into the next segment that we have right now. Of course, this is the open mic segment. Now, We've got a lot of different topics. I want to bring up this one. This is the don't remind me topic. So what this is, what this means is, of course, we all have our favorite artists. And with our favorite artists, they put out a lot of great songs, a lot of classics. But they've also had a couple of misses along the way. So, you know, whoever your favorite artist is, what's a song that you don't want to be reminded of that they've done? Oh, man. Oh, Y'all want man, me to go got... first? Because I can go all day. I got one. Huh? Yep. Oh, go ahead, Tom. You know I'm a big supporter of Music Soul Child. He's a friend of mine. But when radio came out, I was kind of disappointed. But believe it or not, that song has grown on me over the years. Really? On my radio, yeah. I so, thought you were going to say love. Cause if I, and, I, and I love music, but if I hear love one more time. What? This is hate, <laughs> man. This is just hating. It ain't. Yeah. I loved the song when I heard it the first 400 times, but it is 2015. If I hear that song one more time, I'm going to lose it. All right, for me, mm-hmm. this is going to surprise you guys. My favorite artist, artist is Brandy. I might even have to go with Put It Down with Chris Brown. Really? Yeah. I mean, at the time, I liked the record, but now that I look back at it, I don't really want that song associated with my love for Brandy. But I don't know. I think the thing is, though, at least we can understand why these artists did these records. Yeah. Like, I know what they were trying to do, like, with, with music and radio and Brandy and put it down. Like, I know yeah. they were going for for radio plays. So, yeah. And, and I actually your, like put it down a lot. Actually, so, you know what? I'm wrong. I'm not going to put put it down as this one. It was, you know, I liked it at the time. The, the song that I'm going to actually go with is her duet with Monica, It All Belongs to Me, that was disappointing. Okay, yeah, that one I'll give you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, all right. And what's yours? Yeah. I'm going to, I don't know if you two, your minds will melt, but I know I'm going to get tweets about it, and people will go crazy. I never liked Keith Sweat's first song. I do not like I Want Her. Never liked it. To this day, wow. not a fan. Wow. And people assume because I love Keith, that's my favorite Keith Sweat song. No, when I heard that song, I was like, no, I didn't like that song. So to this day, of course, it's his biggest record, and it is my least favorite record. Ouch. Tough blow to Keith Sweat. Yeah, so I'm I still Wiki- got love for Keith, though. Okay, I still got love. Just don't love that one. Ed, I'm on the Wikipedia website right now for that song, and it says that it was ranked number six on Complex.com's list of 25 best New Jack Swing songs of all time. And you're telling me you don't like this? I have never liked it. I have never liked it. It's not, and I'm not even saying it's a bad song. It's just never a song that connected with me. But every song since then, oh, yes, I have been the biggest Keith fan ever. But that song wasn't really feeling it. Wow. So, the next topic I want to get into, um, of course, we all come from the Internet era, the Napster era, and the Kaza era, Bear Share, etc. So, I want you guys to give me a story each of a song that you may have found on the Internet or a song that had just leaked and your initial feelings and just the whole story behind it. Uh, I can go first. All right. I think I told these stories the other day. I I found um, Jacket Edge's uh, Where the Party At featuring Nelly. I had that one off of, uh, what was that? 
think it might have been WinMX. And I was like the first one. This was back in the days of burning CDs. I had to go burn it on a CD right away so I could bump it in my car. Because that, that song, <laughs> when I heard it, it, was... Man, I felt so cool. I was like the only one in my in my area who had the song. <laughs> and then the next one I'll say is... um. Uh, the the first Nerd album, N-E-R-D. I had to download those songs one by one on Kazaa, I believe it was. And that was the original version before they went back. I mean, it's like the rock live instrumentation. So that was cool. That is hilarious. Um, <laughs> first of all, before I get into my thing, I've thought about this before. I still burn CDs, player, because I am so paranoid because I'm an old man. Whenever I download something, we just talked about John Michael and Angie Stone's albums. I purchased them from iTunes, and then I downloaded them on CDs, and then I have this gigantic binder. Actually, I have like five of them, and I file them away because I'm like an old man who still puts money under the mattress. I'm picturing you walking around with, with, a, with a Walkman with headphones <laughs> on. <laughs> Come on, man. I said I'm not Walkman somewhere. Don't be hating on the Walkman. I don't even- I don't even have a device to play a CD in this house anymore. What? That is insane. That is insane. What happens if your phone is dead and your computer is out and the power is out and you're just sitting around in the dark? I've got my CD player and I've got my two or three Duracell batteries if they aren't crusted over and I'm in here rocking to put it down with Brandy and Chris Brown. What year are you in, man? I have like five of those energy sticks. So if my phone ever died and we lost power, I'd have like five backup batteries. I would never lose power on the phone. Play, stop hating on math. Listen, it just works for me. Can we get back to what? what I don't even remember what the what was the topic, Kyle. What were we talking about? Napster. Give us give us a story, speaking man. Of, a song yeah. that. <laughs> speaking of old stuff, Napster. Yes, and I'm going to take it back to 2001 when I was in college. And I Napster was out, and we used to just download and just play stuff. You know, my girl, Little Mo's first album, which had been delayed for whatever, like forever and ever, ever, was on Napster. So I just, like, rocked the whole album. That album eventually came out that summer. But I remember it being pretty early in the spring, and I was rocking all those songs, and I just felt like I was the biggest music guru on earth because I had heard Lil Mo's album early. And can I try to give one more story? Yeah, I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable sharing this one because I I'm friends with with RL, but I got RL's debut album piece by piece. The whole thing wasn't out there yet on Napster. I eventually yeah, you had to buy the piece by piece. I did buy the whole album when it came out on release day, just so I feel I feel good about that. But I wanted to have it early, of course. You know, these were different times back then. You know, being the first one to have these songs, I felt so cool. So, <laughs> yeah, but I did R Elements, RL's debut, and shout out to RL. He's a good friend of mine, and he's joined us on the podcast. But, uh, yeah. Nice. Kyle? So, I got two stories for you guys, actually. Uh, I'll give you a Napster story. So I remember the first song that I downloaded off Napster is D12's Purple Hills, right? The only time I had ever heard that song was on the radio and on MTV. So I downloaded the song on Napster, and they're talking about Purple Pills, and I was like, what is this? I thought this song <laughs> Welcome to the real version, player. Yeah, I was like, I, I thought they were talking about Purple Hills, not Purple Pills. And I was oh, like, oh, no, different type of hills. Yep. <laughs> so uh, the second story that I have, this was actually um, more recent. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but probably back in around 2007, 2008, 2009, a lot of songs were being leaked, a lot of unreleased songs, a lot of demos by artists like Neo and Tank. Every day mm-hmm. you would have a song on the Internet. So one of the songs that leaked was, uh, what is it, Trey Songs, Can't Help But Wait. That leaked, but for about six months, I could not find a version of that song without a stupid tag on it that went Black and Beats vibe. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I could not find one without that tag. And then one day... 
those tags get stuck in your brain because, again, going back to the Napster days, there was a version of SWV's Week that I always listened to. And to this day, when I listen to, like, the regular version, I keep think, waiting for that tag to pop in because my yep. brain is just trained to hear it. <laughs> yep. So I found a tagless version of that song. I can't even remember the name of the site anymore. I mean, you guys remember that site? I heard of it. Yeah. I found it on there, and at that time, you couldn't actually down. There was no down on that site. So, man, I had to play it. I had to record it off my sound card. I got the song. It was the happiest day of my life. Oh, my good God. Recording off the sound card. These were the dark ages. <laughs> you know, what? tell the other story, Kyle, about what we found that your friend DJ Stolen got locked up. <laughs> well, first of all, <laughs> uh, well, first of all, he's not my friend, but DJ, <laughs> oh um, if you were around that time period, 2009, when every song was being leaked on the internet, you guys may have noticed that there was a DJ stolen tag um, on, on these songs, and for some reason, it was a drop that Rodney Jerkins would do, and he would say something like, here, I'm with my boy DJ Stolen, blah, blah, blah. So DJ Stolen had to connect. He somehow linked up with Rodney Jerkins, but uh, no, no, act- no, 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 no. He got the drops, so that they gave him drops, so that they would stop stealing the music from him. Oh, oh that was- that's how that's how it worked. Yeah. No, I thought it was. Um, actually, I read another story how he would get drops from these artists, and I mean from these producers, and they would email the drops to him, and from then he would know their email oh. and he would hack into that. That's possible too. That's actually really anyway. brilliant. But anyway, anyway that's so, so um, he was leaking songs for about a year, two years, until he got caught because he was selling these songs as demos and um, in court because he was underage. Um, I mean, I don't know the legalities behind it, but they were trying to determine if he was doing it strictly to make money, or what actually they said was that he was just addicted to the fact that he was becoming famous off leaking songs. So that's what they came up with. <laughs> he was addicted to becoming famous off of leaking songs? Like, is your life that sad? Just, he was like a young kid from like Europe, and we found yeah. the articles. Yep. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, a lot of artists hate him, and deservedly so, but, man, he's leaked some of our favorite songs by people like Neo, so... <laughs> DJ Stolen gets a nice uh, golf clap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom, do you have a this or that segment for us? Oh, man. You're putting me on the spot right now? This yep. or that? Uh, no, I don't, actually. Do you, Ed? All right. I always, like, sit back and reciprocate on this thing. So, <laughs> brother, I ain't even prepared to come up in the joint with it is or that. All right, let's, let's change it then. We'll do an album look back. How about that? Okay, I'm, a, I'm for that. So the album look back we're going to do today is... Let's go with Mariah Carey's Emancipation of Mimi album. That was her comeback album in 2005. It has the big single, We Belong Together, on it. Shake it off. It's like that. Don't forget about us. That was a big comeback for her. Ed, you want to go first? And that album, yeah, that album is, and, I, and, and again, no disrespect to Mariah, but I have credited that album's biggest song, which, of course, we all know, We Belong Together, being the song that totally turned me away from radio forever because Louisville Radio played that song every every on the hour every hour it would literally play i would drive home from work it would take me like 20 minutes to get home it would be on when i play when i got in the car before i got home they would play it again i was like all right mariah i love this song i love you no more and that is what turned me off of radio in 2005 so thanks mariah i'm hot though yeah I, you know what? I I don't listen to the album in full. To be, I can't say the album's a classic. If that's if that's what we're asking, 
I do like some songs from there that I still play to this day. But when I compare that to the rest of her body of work, I'm not saying it's, in my opinion, I wouldn't say it's one of her best albums. But yeah, it did definitely put her back on the map from the singles she released from it. Yeah, I think what happened is we're fans are just so hyped because they were ready for her to come back to form and she came back so strong that it has gotten this kind of classic tag. It's a very, very good album, but no, not classic in my eyes either. Mm. I mean, I think we can all agree that her song of Snoop Dogg, produced by the Neptunes, Say Something, is a great song. Oh, yes. No question. Yep, yep. Yeah. Really, the first half of that album is almost flawless. Like, it's, it is really nice up until about kind of maybe three-fourths in, it kind of slows down a little bit, but... No, that when that album is pretty tight. It starts falling off when that Nelly song comes on. (laughs) You know me well, player. Yes, (laughs) it falls off right around there. (laughs) Oh man, do you guys think Mariah has it in her for another another comeback? Mm, I think that ship has passed home. I mean, I'm not saying that I don't want her to try. I want you to try. I want you to keep aiming for those stars, player. Shoot for the moon, you will be among the stars. But as far as another emancipation, I don't know if we're going to get that again. Well, here's my my question for you guys. Is she, I mean, is she still even relevant amongst younger people? Do they care? And I think the answer is probably not. So, I don't know how she would ever reach those heights that she was at once before. So, if she made a great album, I feel like the quality of the album almost isn't what determines a success these days. So I can't say that she'll ever... I don't really know how to answer that question, unfortunately. Well, I think you can still become relevant by... the, the 2015 is so weird because just a few years ago, if you wanted to be relevant, all you had to do was put out a really good album. But these days, not only do you have to have good material, but you have to, I don't know, have a reality show or like get some kind of weird social media buzz. So the the game is so changed now that it's strange. But do I think she can win back fans with a very strong piece of work? Possibly, but not to the level that we know Mariah. She's not going to be getting those honey numbers. Like, I don't see that happening. But I think she could get some younger support with some very solid material. Well, how do you compare it to, like, the impact of, like, a Janet making her return? Is it even on a similar comparison? I don't think it can be. Like, just being fair, I don't think it can be on that level. It wouldn't be a fair comparison. Yeah, I mean, Janet can still tour, and she's still dancing like she's in her 20s. I don't know if... Because Mariah's never been a dancer. She's always been the vocalist, and I don't know, just based on the performances I've seen in recent years, I I don't know if she can recover from that. I think... She's she's too far in with her voice to to be able to get back to where you know everyone loved her. Unfortunate. Yeah. Plus, and then I think another interesting thing, and you know, I don't want to go off tangent, but Tom, I had just showed you an article earlier today regarding music listeners and their preference and the age and, and, and the age and everything. So, from the the article I read, it said that um, people in general they develop, develop their music taste at around the age of fifteen. And, you know, it, it it develops and it shifts and it changes up until you're about 25 when you start to realize and it solidifies what your true music taste is. Would you agree with that based on your guys' life experience, that 25 is the age that you start, okay, this is what I like and this is what I don't like? Um, I don't think it, for me, it didn't go, I was a late bloomer in music, though. I didn't get into music until, believe it or not, my, my mid-teens. I didn't listen to music really at all. So I was a late bloomer, so a lot of my, my 20s were spent going back and seeing what I had missed in R&B. So I'm not a fair, um, it's not fair for me. And plus, I still listen to everything, just even the younger stuff. A lot of people my age don't even bother because they think everything is whack that's, you know, new in R&B and in the position we're in, we listen to everything because we want to, yeah. be able to feature what's good out there and be the the mouthpiece to let people know there's still good stuff. So I can't, it's tough for me to say. What about you, Ed? 
I, that article, I was trying to think back to people that I personally know and especially younger people, and it seems to be, of course, everybody's a case-by-case, case, but I can understand there being some merit in that article. It it doesn't really apply to me. Like, I have always grown up around music and listening to music and being connected to music, but I didn't become a super fan on until probably, like, maybe – maybe like seventh or eighth grade when I became like mega music fan. And then my taste continued to grow from there and there. And like Tom said today, I'm as much as I give younger artists a hard time and people are like, Ed, you don't like anything that was recorded after 2000. I mean, I listen to everything. So I give everything a chance because that's the music, that's the genre we're into. So that's just, I think the, the article, though, really does seem like I don't want to typecast anybody, but from the folks I know, it's kind of on target, not just for me, though. And then this is the other point it said. It says after the age of 33, you don't even bother with the radio anymore. You're listening to the old stuff, the classic stuff. Um, do you guys believe that to be true? Based on the old, that, that I agree with. Yes, that definitely. Yeah. Well, I'm not 33, but I gave up on radio about 10 years ago. No, I, I literally gave up on it 10 years ago. Blame Mariah. So, Tom, you're telling me in about a couple of years, the only thing you'll be listening to is The Last Temptation by Ja Rule? <laughs> what? <laughs> Where did you come up with that out of all albums? He's looking at you know? that right now because it's sitting right on his desk because he loves <laughs> that mess. That thing is probably propping up my kitchen table. Good Lord, that album. Uh, the one with him standing next to that wall. <laughs> yes, that has literally like one song on it that's worth listening. Is that the one with the Bobby Brown song on it? Yep. <laughs> yes, Flair. Good Lord, John. That's it was a rap about that time. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's talk about, I mean, we've been here talking about so many different things. Let's get into the food discussion. Wait, yeah. can I take it back to my picture of that? I, I came up with my this or that. All right, what's up? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to accept this or that. It's called Tom's Rant. Am I the only one who's not impressed by Adele? I just think it's so boring. I get it. It's emotionally touching people's lives and stuff and, and all of this. Oh, man. To me, it's just boring music. I don't get it. Good Lord, play You need to read soulandstereo.com because I just went off on that earlier this week and everybody got in their feelings. I think Adele is fantastic. I think she's a fantastic artist. I do think that she is, you know, a little overrated in many aspects. But, no, I think it, she speaks to people, and she her the music that she makes really resonates with an audience. And vocally, she's probably one of the best alive, not even in her genre, alive today. I think her vocals are that good. So, no, I give the lady props. She's not man. the first thing on my iPod, but she gets props. I don't know, man. It's just not fair. Mm. Well, I'm looking at it like, and I'm not trying to race here, but if, if someone like Jasmine Sullivan were to record a song like that, you know, I, I doubt she'll be played on pop formats, but do you think Urban AC would even support a song like that? Nope. No, That's not from that. And again, and I don't want to re I don't want to um like re say everything I said. Just go to soulandstereo.com, go down to the commentary section and I have written all about this in the past week, so I don't want to restate it. But that's what's unfair is that if a Jasmine Sullivan, I mentioned her by name, I mentioned Tamia by name, if they put out the hello song, it would not get any traction. And the reason why Adele gets traction is because Labels have labeled her a pop artist and have molded this image that her stuff is safe, whereas R&B is the redheaded stepchild right now. So if they put out that exact same song, it would not get any love. But again, and I mentioned this in my article, that I think R&B fans have kind of made Adele like this demon and kind of demonized her career. And I don't blame Adele for this at all. Is the problem with the industry and that they are taking a sound and they're kind of massaging it and making it acceptable for their audiences and not doing the same for artists on the R&B realm. He can do the same thing and more. But I well, fussed about that on Twitter like all day last week, so I won't get into well, it. Well, I mean, hard. 
John Legend would say would do a song like that and make it a huge hit. So there's an R and B artist who got his chance. Oh yeah, and artists say. have gotten their chances in the past. Alicia Keys has gotten her chance in the past. But if to you there's no way that Tamia could put out that song and it go anywhere, unfortunately. Oh, I totally agree. I just, I just think it's like I said, not fair. I I don't like when people compare Sam Smith, blah blah. You know, but I I mean it's just it's an unlevel playing field. I feel like those artists are given opportunities. The the industry says this is who we think is the image we want to be a pop star. We're gonna make right. them. We're gonna put our money behind them. So it's yeah, not it, really. Go ahead. It's not fair, but what I want um, R and B fans to do, and this is kind of what I was fussing about in my post. Instead of, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but instead of attacking the Adele's and Sam Smiths, what we need to do is support the Tamias and Jasmine's and Kenny Lattimore's and everybody else who are putting out good music because the only way these labels are going to pay attention is when you hit them in their pocketbooks. When the Jasmine Sullivan's are putting out music and people are still emailing me and like, Jasmine Sullivan done anything since Need You Bad? And I'm like, um, where have you been? Support well, R&B, and then we will be able to have more of a say. Well, I'm, I didn't honestly seem like I'm dissing Adela. Honestly, I just really oh, don't no, like not, the music. I just, I just no, don't feel the music. Like, I'm just not feeling the songs. And maybe it's because I'm not a middle-aged housewife, but I don't know. It's not speaking <laughs> to me at all. <laughs> no, and I'm not attacking you at all. I'm just kind of getting back into the my post that I had. It generated a lot of conversation throughout the week, yeah. so I was just recapping. So just go to soulandstereo.com, go to the commentary section, and watch your boy go off, and then you can tweet me how angry you are. Well, this is something that, that I like to do just because, you know, a lot of my friends, you know, when we were younger, everyone was an R&B fan, and of course, as the article states, the, the older you get, um, the more your taste develops and changes time, and you know, for the people that have been, you know, on my Twitter account tweeting about Dell single, and even Sam Smith one's blowing up, I like to come on to R&B artists like Tamia and Tyrese because I know once upon a time they did like these artists. So I remember, you know, someone was talking about the Sam Smith album, and I said, hey, but check out this Tamia record, and for some reason they had no interest in checking it out at all. So how are we supposed to change their mindset? Player, I can only tell you how stupid y'all. I can't make you get your life right. So what we do is what we've all what we've always been doing: present music and say instead of saying why hasn't John B done anything since Cool Relax, and you're like what? Instead of doing that, we present the music that's out there. That's why I do reviews. That's why you know I got soul does what it does with in, when in covering concerts and getting new artists a platform and continue to share that music and hope it takes root. Because when we position ourselves as experts and authorities on good music, I think people will take heed to what we say. So if we're like, hey, you've never heard of John Michael, check out his music. When I send out his review, I got two or three tweets from people saying, I don't know this dude, but hey, you say he's good, so I'm going to check him out. And that's not so much ego for me, but it's kind of humbling to hear people say, we respect your opinion. So your opinion makes us want to check out this person's music. So that's what we do. That's what I know. You know, I got Soul's mission is, is to present new good R&B to the audience. It's up to them to pick it up. If they don't want to pick it up and want to just talk about Sam Smith, then that's your sad life. Well, that's, the, yeah, that's how, uh, uh, let me just say real quick, that's how major labels have been successful for all these years, though. They're just preying on the consumers, and that's just not just major labels. They're just doing what's successful. The consumers are just conditioned to accept what's being put on radio and what's being force-fed to them on TV as that's what's good. I should listen to that. People aren't really trying. A lot of people aren't trying to go on the computer and, and have to dig and find what's good. They'll just take what's force-fed to them. So, unfortunately, that's the reality that we're in. But it's changing every year, fortunately. People are, are now knowing they have more options out there. So that's just the landscape of the music industry. Yep. So 
Um, food discussion. Anyone want to bring up a food that they've had or something we want to talk about for that? I know I'm hungry because I haven't eaten anything all day. I went to the movies and ate some nachos. I know Tom is going to curl up in a fetal position because I had I, chips and cheese, but I got one. that's all I've had today. So I got one. So, so here, here's one. So when you guys go to the movies, what is your go-to mm-hmm. snack from, from the from the, the food the food stand? I have Ooh. to get nachos, and then I have to get one of those frozen drinks. Like, that is, I have to have it. <laughs> if I don't have those, I am pissed the whole movie. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. Wow. Wow. Um, I'm going to go with nachos. If we're choosing popcorn, I'm going to go with nachos. Wait, do you, do you get the extra butter or the, because that butter no, you kill you, man. you got to get everything on it. You can drown in that butter. Well, you can drown yep. in that butter, but, I mean, it would be a great way to go. <laughs> yep. You ready for mine, guys? Oh, gosh. Oh. This dude up here bringing kale to the movie theater. No, no, no. <laughs> Calm down. I'm that guy that's going around to the uh, to the convenience store and paying a dollar for a pack of Skittles and then sneaking it in. Oh, oh wait, I understand. Yes, no, no, no. I'm for that hustle. That's why you're my boy. Yes, I will. Because you know how much that stuff costs. They will have the same pack for like four fifty. I'm sure it's like fourteen fifty in New York. But and then you can go to like the drugstore and get it for ninety nine cents. You better go up in there strapped. Yes, that's yep. how you do it. The, the tricky part is when you're trying to sneak a drink in there, though. You got to kind of like position it in your pants or something so where they can't see it. It's a it's a oh, tough my. one. My hustle isn't that strong when I'm smuggling <laughs> drinks, man. I will tell you the most OG thing I've ever seen. My, I don't know if you've seen this, but Walmart used to sell these gigantic things of popcorn that were like three feet tall, and they were like in these plastic things. My aunt, I can't remember what movie we went to see. We were kids. She, it's summertime. She gets a coat, wraps, she buys this big old thing of popcorn, wraps it in a coat, walks up in the movie theater like she's carrying a baby, and she just sits down and opens it up, puts it between her legs, eats that gigantic popcorn thing all day. And nobody stopped her. They had to know that she was smuggling in something. I love it. But nobody's well, going to be all the way real, guys, I don't even go to the movie theater. I just wait for that thing to show up on BitTorrent, download it. It's probably some dude oh. that recorded it with an iPhone. You know, when they pop the whole screen shakes, I'm one of those people. Oh, my. Well, good luck with trying to actually see the movie that you're getting for free. <laughs> and there you go. So, I mean, that's that's all that we have for this week. I mean, I know it's a long podcast. It was long overdue, but we got it done for you guys. Um, Ed, talk to us about what's going on with Sewing Stereo right now. I'm not sure when this podcast is running, but I'd be happy to tell this. Um, the entire month of November, for those of you who know, um, my wife is the head of a blogging and writing group called CJ and Write. It's for um, women bloggers and writers. And the month of November, she has a initiative called Blog Like Crazy. And that challenges bloggers to write and post at least one post every day in the month of November. And because I am a helpful and faithful and dedicated husband, I am embarking on this challenge as well. So every day for the month of November, come to soulandstereo.com, I'm going to have something new up. So it'll be album reviews, it'll be music reviews, it'll be commentary, it'll be featuring new artists, love letters, all that stuff y'all beg me to write and say, hey, we want more of it. This we got this month, I'm going to have all of that. So stop by Soul and Stereo anytime for the past the month of November, I'm going to have some new content up every morning at 7 o'clock. I don't know what, but it'll be something. What do we have going on on YouNowIGotSoul.com? Uh, we've been playing some pretty cool opinion pieces lately on, on on artists who are coming out with new albums. We did one with the Tango we talked about and Monica. We're just going to continue that. That's kind of a direction we're going and just making educated opinions. Uh... Something I just thought of and a, and a goal of ours for the near future. We're going to have to bring a female to this podcast, guys. I mean, we haven't had yeah. one yet. So, no, I, I agree. My my uh, very feminist wife would agree with you. <laughs> oh, man. 
I don't know. Bring a shanti. A shanti? No, because you're not gonna behave. Like you're just gonna be a <laughs> drooling mess the whole podcast. I'm trying not to get you embarrassed. <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, you know, we're gonna try to get more of these podcasts done for you guys. Um, hopefully, not as crazy as this one, but we're gonna sell. With that all being said, this is Kyle, that's Tom, and that's Ed, and this is the You Know I Got So podcast. You Know I Got So in Stereo podcast, I'm sorry, and we are out of here.